Home is your creative canvas, an expression of your unique style. Only Wayfair has everything you need to bring your vision to life. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas and beds to dining sets and decor. Wayfair makes it easy with fast and free shipping, even on the big stuff. They'll even help you set it up. Look, I have an eclectic style, but when I go on Wayfair, they've got such a huge selection of items for the home that there are things that fit me and I know others that will fit everybody else. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style, every home. Food trends come and go, but there's one that never seems to go out of style. The classic chocolate chip cookie. Oh, my favorite. And famous Amos chocolate chip cookies are as classic as it gets, truly. They're made from the original recipe you know and love. I'm talking semi-sweet chocolate chips, a satisfying crunch. All together in a cookie you can't help but eat in one bite. It's everything classic in a cookie. Find famous Amos cookies anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Hey, everybody, it's Andy Cohen here with my co-host, John Hill. Hey, John. Hey, honey. Today, we've got a major kiki. This is our first new uh, episode in uh, several weeks. Have a lot to download you on about my time in the Hamptons. Want to remember my friend Jimmy Buffett. And a little later, Cedric the Entertainer will come by, who uh, he's my hometown guy. We're both from St. Louis, and I always love talking to him. You know, you butt-dialed me this morning. Really? What time? Yeah, you did. I listened for a while. What was I doing? <laughs> what time was it? It was right after we had texted. So it was like 6 a.m. Oh my God, my I see time. that. FaceTime audio, 6.08 a.m. Was I talking to Ben at that point? You were saying goodbye to someone, perhaps a nanny or something. Right. Someone was dropping something off. And then, I don't know if you stubbed your toe <laughs> or you did. stepped on a toy. Oh my God. You. Oh my uh <laughs> oh my god you I were was, so mad oh my god you were so mad. I and can't. then i hung up i was i would normally have listened but i was so worried for you that i was gonna hear you like cry oh my god <laughs> you sounded John, so upset i am dead i have had such a faux pas morning that just like <laughs> i mean it's mercury and retrograde I did stub my toe. I was Brooks Marks sent me like this huge box that had three pairs of Brooks Marks pants in them, which I mean, I should have done an unboxing. The packaging was unbelievable, but it was so bountiful that I had to throw it out. And I was trying when I butt dialed you to open the trash room in on my floor of my building and the door would not open and I finally opened it and it went right into my toe Oof. at which point I was like cursing out loud. You were cursing yes, out loud. Yes, and yeah. you heard that. I'm so embarrassed. And after it was over, I was even <laughs> thinking, I'm so glad no one heard that. But <laughs> here we are. I've been fully exposed. I was wearing flip-flops, serves me right. Should have worn my Crocs. Right. And yes, you're right. And then I got in the elevator and that's when you heard me having Ben press the button and saying goodbye to him. Oh, no, I hung up when you you, you were cursing. (laughs) 
That is so. It funny. made me concerned. I didn't want to have to to have that right experience with right, you. Right. You know. And then, I will say, I took the subway to work, and I'm walking up the stairs at 50th Street. I tripped on the stairs and I fell, babe. Oh, are I you okay? fell on the floor of the subway. I oh, fell. God. Are like, your shoes too big for your I feet? Have, no, I have flip-flops on, and I fell. And I have my flip-flops backpack. on the subway? I know. I'm going to L.A. Ew. today after no. watching You're not there tonight. now. And I, 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 and I had, so Ew. I have my backpack, and I have a hanging bag with suits in it. And I fell and it kind of went everywhere and my phone dropped and then people were looking and then, and I just picked it all up and just ran up the stairs. I mean, it was so humiliating, babe. I was like- Maybe therapy is dusting something uh, up. It's like, I have a uh... bum toe and I didn't get Wordle and I fell. I mean, it's not- I've been up since six. I could. It's two hours of lost sleep that I missed today. Anyway, how's your morning? <laughs> I meditated. Right. I bet you yeah. did. So I got a Mini Cooper for the beach, and I love it so much. Did you drive it at all when you were out there? No, I rode in it once when you picked me up from the train. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I was... On my way to lunch um, one day and in East Hampton at a friend's house, there was a really like crazy accident that had happened across the street on 27. And I was really rubbernecking this accident. I was like looking at the accident and, you know, looking, looking. Don't you know, I rear-ended the guy in front of me while oh, no. rubbernecking the accident. Oh, and You're I mean, mess. it was truly a tap. And I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. Of course, the first thing I thought of when I tapped it was, oh, I'm not going to be late for lunch. It's okay. Like, uh, this is fine. I'm going to get out of the car and it's going to be fine. Yeah. I get out of the car and... It was like a pickup truck in front of me or a Ford car. The guy gets out. I said, hey. He goes, oh, Andy Cohen. I go, hey, how are you? I said, I'm so sorry. He goes, you don't remember me? I. He goes, we met in Miami oh, at the Standard. I was like, uh, so I did my thing, which is, yeah, of course I remember you. He goes, I'm Ramona's friend. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, this is so the Hamptons that I rear end into Ramona's friend. Mm-hmm. I go, oh my God. Oh, hey. Hey. I said, well, <laughs> you know, sure there's no damage. I look at my car. Oh, shit. Oh, babe. I have, I just got an estimate for it. I have $7,000 worth of damage. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. From this tap, my whole top, I mean, it's just, it's so annoying. I mean, the car runs, but it really folded into, you know. And his thing, I go, okay, well, yours looks fine. And he said, well, actually, like oh, his, no. I haven't alignment? heard back from him. The alignment of his oh, bumper shit. 
was a little off. It looked like it needed to kind of be pushed back a little bit. Truly, it did. And he's like, yeah. let's not go through insurance. If we go through insurance, your premium will be higher. Mm. And I was like, well, oh, okay. Now, pe- people mm-hmm. start coming up. Can I have a photo? Oh. Can I have a photo? Oh, no. Because we're in East Hampton. And, the and cop, there's also another accident. Oh, no. Your accident the, number the cop two. cop from the accident across <laughs> the street said... He walked right over. He goes, "Oh my God!" He goes, "Well, we'll we'll do a report for you." Um, I bet that happens a lot. Double rubbernecking, right? And so then I was like, "Okay." So I'm taking pictures with fans first of all. Then I make a video for Ramona, Ramona, because I was like, "Okay, well, this is kind of funny." And I'm like, "Ramona, you'll never guess who I rear-ended." And then I show him. He's like, "Hey, Ramona." And then we got, and then he and I are gossiping about Ramona and being on the show and being off the show, whatever. Then my officer comes over, John, from a porno movie. I could not oh. have c- conjured sure. a more my type cop. He was like 6'4", white blonde hair, full head of blonde hair. He was so gorgeous. I I just, I couldn't even believe it. And I'm like, oh, he's like, Mr. Cohen, what did you do? I'm like, ah, Officer Williams. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> like suddenly, you know, in you steel magnolias. Mouth mouth. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, can you rub my titties? Oh, I hurt um, my breasts. Anyway, so- we're like, we just want, we didn't have him do a full report. Whatever. It was so crazy. And there you go. But that's not my only Mini Cooper story. Because then two days later, I'm driving in my busted Mini Cooper to pay my respects in Sag Harbor uh, at a friend's house. And I'm running. I mean, I'm, I'm driving. The top is down, and I see there's a blonde guy running. He almost looked like the cop, except that he was wearing a little skinty, scanty pair mm. of shorts, running shorts, <laughs> and I clocked this guy from like half mile away. I'm like, okay, there's a blonde coming up on the right. I'm happy to say I was driving so carefully because I of the fender bender, whatever, and I was a little embarrassed to be driving my beaten up Mini, but whatever. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Uh, the top was down. It was a beautiful day. I'm running. I look. I mean, I really check this person out. Okay? I really check the person out. I don't hit anybody. Fine. I don't think twice about it. Later that get day, I get a DM from a... It was a Bravo Liberty that I was cruising and checking oh, no. out. Who? Only in the Hamptons. Sonia? No, it was <laughs> Luke from Summerhouse. Oh, he God. DM'd me and said, "Hey, I Are you think the that was you was... <laughs> in the green Mini Cooper." I go, ew. "Luke." Well, not ew. He's a very handsome guy. I go, no, "Luke ew for you." The ew for me. I know. Around. I said, "Luke." I cruised you so hardcore. Like, there was no way around it. I wasn't going to... Because if I knew it was Luke, I would have been waving. Because I was thinking, right. oh, I can write this off and be like, yeah, hey, you were, you had good speed, whatever. But, I mean, it was obvious. I, I had to own it. Yeah. I said, I really cruised you hard. Like, I, I just mode. 
have to. I mean, how did he respond? Hold on. Let me just see. <laughs> I said, dude, I totally cruised you. Whoops. Was going to see friends and saw a hottie on the way. He said, that was you. I knew it. Ha. And then he went on to say something else. Okay. So isn't that funny? I mean, it's so embarrassing. You're haunty. I am Haunty. I feel like one of those, like when a dad takes his teenage, or it's like that movie No Hard Feelings. I feel like I need to take you to get you laid. Totally. To we'll be right back with more of Andy Cohen's Deep and Shallow next. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The great Jimmy Buffett passed away. This guy created his own lifestyle. He created his own kind of sound of music, golf and Western. Uh, he also happened to be a great guy, and he was a real example of how all of us could live our lives. I mean... He, there had to be a margarita shortage in the United States this past weekend with everybody raising glasses to Jimmy Buffett. Um, the guy, he was a great, by the way, sportsman. If you ever got lucky enough to have dinner with him, you could turn to him and say, What'd you do today? And he would say, I woke up early, I went surfing, I went the hydrofoiling. I flew my seaplane. I I mean, he never stopped until the end, by the way. He crammed more activities in a day. This guy was not sitting around on his phone looking at Instagram. John. I'm listening and in- engaged. Yeah, but you're on your phone looking at Instagram. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm making just notes kidding. about our newscast. I know, I'm just kidding. By the way... I I take his inspiration daily. I, I am know. hydrofoiling. Right. I yes. am. Are you? I am. I mean, I don't know what that is. Metaphor. It's like a cold yes. plunge. Yes. I mean, I am contrast therapying. Yeah, you are. You are doing all of it. Um. Yeah, it's amazing. Also, can I say my favorite contribution? Yeah. Jimmy Buffett's the nachos at Margaritaville at really? Universal City. Is that Walk. true? I will drive there at least once a month at about, you know, 2 p.m. on maybe a Thursday when not many people are there. Wow, I did not and know. And have that. a monstrous plate of nachos. I'll save up those calories and wow. I will go sit there and I'll have a plate of nachos. So wow. thank you, Jimmy Buffett. I've told this before, but, and it's in Daddy Diaries, but last summer I had, I had dinner with Jane and 
Jimmy and few other people in Sag Harbor. And afterwards we walked over to Buddha Berry, which is the frozen yogurt place. And Jimmy had never been in a frozen yogurt place, I guess, or one, or like a self-serve where you serve yourself and then you, and I was explaining to him how it worked. And, um, and, uh, a few weeks later during the audience Q&A before Watch What Happens Live, this woman said, I don't have a question. I just want to say, I saw you with uh, your dad in Sag Harbor helping mm. him get frozen yogurt the other day. And you were so sweet the way you were explaining it to him. And I was like, that's not my dad. That's Jimmy fucking Buffett. And now when I told Jane that story, she died. She goes, you got to tell Jimmy. And I told him. And, and from then on... Every time I saw him, I said, hey, dad. He goes, hey, son. And if I was ever coming over for dinner, he would say to Jane, oh, my son's coming for dinner. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was a sweet. I saw him last week and I got to, we got to, I someone that was in the room hadn't heard that story and I got to retell it. Um, something else happened with Jimmy that I will never forget. And it was the most emotional moment of covid and John, I know I, I must have told this story before, but um, on the radio. But there's a woman that we knew. There's a woman who's a close friend of Jane and Jimmy's, whose sister I had met several times because she was a huge. Brought there were t- her two passions in life, Bravo and Jimmy Buffett, and she was very sick with cancer, on her last. Um, she was living her last days. And I went over uh, during COVID. It was really, everyone was still pretty locked down. I was doing the show from Sag Harbor. And uh, um, I was out there and I went over to Jane and Jimmy's one night. And Jane said, listen, before dinner, um, so-and-so's sister is on FaceTime and she's really, really bad. But we thought that you and Jimmy could speak to her on FaceTime and you know, and so I went first and I said, look, ask me anything you want about any housewife, anything on Bravo. And she was a real fan and I, and, and had, you know, just gotten all the books and waited in line and the whole thing. And she was asking me everything. And I was like, I was really, I was probably never so honest as I was with her on that FaceTime, just about every opinion I ever had. And, uh, and she was just really lit up. And then she loved Jimmy and her favorite song was come Monday. Um, and Jimmy got his guitar and he had me hold up the, um, the phone to shoot him so I was holding it so I could see her in the little box listening to him singing this song and the song is so it's a love song but it's about seeing someone again and just standing there sobbing listening to him you know sing this um, she was just taking it in. It was just the most beautiful thing. It was, it was so beautiful, you guys. And he so sang it from his heart. And 
it just had such a different wow. meaning, you know, hearing it in that context, you know? Mm. Um, so that was also who he was, you know, he would just do anything for anybody and, um, just the kindest, sweetest guy to everybody. And you look at all these stories coming out about him, about just, you know, everybody he touched. And that was just, it was too much. It was too much. But anyway, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll, uh, we'll talk some more. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know what's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more. Oh, okay, we are back. Woo, that was a good cry. Oh, you feel better? I do. I've cried a lot on this show, as it turns out. Every so often, I break out into tears. Um, Cedric, the entertainer, is here. My brother from St. Louis. Uh, How you doing, Cedric? What's up, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good. Now, you're not in St. Louis, are you? No, no. I'm in Los Angeles, man, at the... At the home front. Excellent. Well, Cedric, uh, I'm interested that you have a novel out called Flipping Boxcars. It's available on Tuesday. And it's it's this is not, there it is. This is an actual, this is a fictional tale. What is it a tale of? Oh, man, it's, you know, it's really crazy. This was a, a fictional tale of my grandfather who passed before I was born, I just took a few stories that my mother would tell me and my uncles, and I took those little those little tidbits of information and just made up the whole character of which of which how he lived. Uh, he was pretty adventurous, according to my mother. He was a guy that you know was uh, had his hands in a few things. Uh, you know, a hustler, but a businessman, um, you know, a person at a community, uh, you know, just kind of all around guy in the 1940s. And so it reminded me a lot of the uh, Easy Rollins character in uh, the Walter Mosley books. And so it just motivated me to kind of come up with this whole story about him. And that's uh, that's what I did. It was a lot of fun to do, man. Where, where are you from in St. Louis, by the way? I'm from Berkeley. I, I grew up. Uh, I grew up, of course, on the north side of St. Louis at first, and then we. My mother started to teach in the Ferguson Florence School District, and then so I went to school at uh, Berkeley Junior High and then high school. Graduated from Berkeley High School, right by the airport. We used to play Berkeley High School. I went to Clayton High School, and we played Berkeley. Oh, Ooh, those classic games. <laughs> I'm still. Uh, so struck by how segregated St. Louis is. It is, it is, it's, it's a trip uh, and not in a good way. Well, and it's so interesting. It's literally been that way from the very beginning. It's a town that you definitely like to, to live there. It feels like, all right, cool. Everybody knows how it works. We're kind of like, you know, these, these animal, you know, animal kingdom that everybody kind of operates the way they operate, but you're right. <laughs> Very north side, south side, west side, 
you know, everybody belongs to their sides. And then that's kind of how it is. And it's a little bit of little bit of mixing in, you know, nowadays. But you're right, man. It's a very segregated city still. How is uh, touring going? I mean, I, you know, I've got to assume you are leaning into that as um, the strike continues. Um, how is stand-up going for you? Stand-up is fun, fun, man. You know, you know, I usually do, uh, I do like some arena tours. That So we went from, we went from, um, from uh, late February to April to May. And then we get out the way of the music acts, man. Like, comedy has no business trying to go out with Taylor Swift and Beyonce and Drake. Whenever these guys are on the road, comedians usually step out, step aside and let them have it because we're just going to get slaughtered. I just went and did a casino last weekend, though. So I started back up, you know, as the fall starts, uh, and, you know, and those tours wind down. So, I'll, you know, I'll go back out in the fall. Uh, while we're on the break and yeah, but you know, luckily for me, I've uh, been able to do, I've got this book coming out and then Anthony and An- Anderson and I have the barbecue line that we're yeah. pushing. So we, I got a few little other projects that kind of kept me alive. I got to tell you something this barbecue stuff, it's called AC barbecue. Uh, it's a whole barbecue lifestyle brand and it's a big deal. You guys got distribution in Walmart, which is, uh, did you have to go pitch your product to like Walmart HQ down in uh, like the middle of nowhere? I can't remember where it is. Yeah, Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to go down there, man. That's a part of it. That's, that's the that's the whole routine. Well, but, it sounds uh, like you made a good pitch because you got in the stores. That's really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had a really good team to help us kind of organize what it was we wanted to do and how we accomplished it. Of course, we showed up with the celebrity and we were able able to really uh, pitch in and, and, you know, show them that we wanted to be good. Not only were we using our uh, celebrity to, to push the brand, but we wanted to be good. Uh, brand partners with them so uh it just kind of worked out man and so you know, we're, we're doing well there uh, actually in talks to do Lowe's and uh home depot next so great wow good for you hey how did you get your start in stand-up how did you start doing it i mean you're at berkeley high and you, you i mean were you I, were you in like performing arts when you were in high school or what were you doing I did, I did do a little performing arts. Like I made, you know, I, I, kind of, I definitely did the theater stuff in high school uh, and then minored in theater in college. Uh, but, you know, I started out like like most people out at the Funny Bone out of Westport Playhouse right out there, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got really, you know, like in, in a lot of ways where you hear most comedians, it was a dare. Somebody, you know, basically signed me up for a comedy competition. That, you know, my friends thought I was funny. Uh, somebody signed me up and basically dared me to go. And so I did it. And it was like a, a competition that, you know, they were kind of doing a citywide thing. And the first time I ever did comedy, I won $500. So wow. I was hooked. I was rich and I was hooked. Yeah. And then what would you say, what do you consider your big break? Like when you were, you know, coming up and you're doing comedy clubs, was there a TV show appearance or was there something that, that lifted you up to the next level? Yeah, probably, uh, probably for me, it was a combination of things. It was, um, uh, my first time on Def Comedy Jam, you know, uh-huh. uh, 
Uh, a couple of things, though. I got a standing ovation at the Apollo, which when it was the craziest place to go and perform. Yeah. When I went, so that I never went back to. I was like fully established, so I always considered myself one and zero at the Apollo. I yeah. don't do yes. not but then, um, but then, kind of my biggest break was you know when I landed the hosting job for BT's Comic View. It was a it was a show that was like you know did comedy. It was on like almost every night on BT. The network was fairly young at the time, and. Uh, uh, I was the second host. D.L. Hewley was the first host. All right. And, and But it just, by the time I became the host, the, the network had started to grow and it made me a household name. So that was kind of like, like, at least in the African-American, you know, community, I was the comedian. So, so I just became known and that was, uh, you know, I was able to, you know, make a really good living just by being on TV, T, uh, BET. Nobody else. Nobody else in Hollywood even knew who I was. I used wow. to, I used to always do jokes about people calling me Cecil the Interrogator, and you know, <laughs> I go to the movie, go to meetings. They Courtney the Instigator. We know who you are. I'm like, yeah. Well, what's the difference between performing for a black audience and a white audience? I think you know, for the most part, is the is, you know, it's, you, you try to use uh, you know just the kind of colloquialisms and, you know, small, you know, it's that, it's that inside, inside joke, I guess, you know, what I would say is the idea that you don't have to, you don't have to change your dialogue that much. You don't have to try to, you know, over articulate a word. You can say, I'm O and I'm a finna do this and people get exactly what you're saying. And you can say that in a, in a joke without, you know, trying to like kind of fix it for people, if you will. Okay. I think, was one of the things that really happened. And then there's a, you know, there's a kind of a different kind of laugh, you know, like you say, black, black people just laugh wholeheartedly. They just like, <laughs> you know, you looking for that scream and that get up and running around. And, and so, you know, it's that, that idea that you know that you're killing the audience whenever you kind of hit those levels. When in 1993, you appeared at the White House Correspondents' dinner did you did you host it that year andy 93 what's it 93 yeah it had to be like oh three not 93 oh okay well maybe this is wrong did you did you host it that year yeah i was yeah i was the the, well who was the president uh george w okay and so and 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 what was that experience like for you that's pretty shaky, man. I mean, when you know, this is one where you feel like you're getting out of your element, right? You you get asked to host one of these things, and then it's a very uh, smart audience. There's a lot of you know, again, you talking about the you know, reporters and writers and politicians. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a very that's yeah, a very get, literate audience. Yeah, you get a little intimidated that this audience may be above your pay grade, and so I think that was the kind that was the. That was the basic thing, but I went up and had fun, man. I, you know, luckily for me, Condoleezza was, uh, she was the vice president, and I had that whole run about her name, about it being a very black name to be in running around, you know, Condoleezza. She was like, you know, I was like, you know, you call her Condi, we call her Deleezza in the hood. So, you know. <laughs> Deleezza. Yeah, y'all call her Condi, we call her Deleezza. That's different. That's different. <laughs> And did, and how did she react to it? Oh, she loved it. It was so funny. She was like, you know, she was talking about how, like, in her real family, those little differences 
of, you know, how, you know, her older relatives know her as a certain person. Yeah. And then she's going to be this big, you know, uh, you know, personality out in the world. So it was really good. She loved to joke. And so did that, you know, so did the president. Everybody just kind of loved that whole little run. And then I I did a run about him throwing out a, a joke about him throwing out the first pitch. And I was like, people used to you throwing us curveballs. We couldn't believe you threw it right over the plate. You know, it was like, oh, look. that's good. That's good. So did yeah. you, was that an event that you were super nervous for beforehand? I mean, was that something that you, you know, you really had to make sure that your shit was together for? Yeah, definitely. You know, it was one of those ones where, you know, if it goes bad, and you know we've seen it. We've seen people like go really bad on these things because you know it's just one of those things. And so you 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 know it can kind of kill your career if you not necessarily kill it, but it's not a good look to you know not really do well on those things. Yeah. And at the same time, if you take big shots and they don't work, then they can also work in your advantage too. Like people people go like, well, you you did it. You know, you went out there, you right. took a big shot. But we kind of know that that audience is the kind of audience that's not going to be, they're not going to be a great comedy audience. They're, right. they're, they're, they're stuffed up and they're, you know, they're protective and, you know, and everybody you know, don't want to joke on them. So if you get to right. joke on them, then, you know, it's it can be bad if, if it's the wrong group. Has people, there so. been another gig that you've done uh, that has been akin to that where you thought, I, I don't know how this is going to go? Man, you know, usually when, for me was in when when you're in another country. You know, I think we did London. Um, the first time I ever did London, it was one of those things where it was very uh because they they're comedians. You know, a lot of comedians, uh, their comedians went out in front of me, uh-huh. and so they have again a more intellectual style of delivery, a more you know kind of like cerebral jokes, jokes that kind of you know you got to almost you know follow every dot to get to the punchline. Mm-hmm. So I was really nervous about that. But, you know, I was also surprised, you know, this is kind of that thing when you don't travel outside the country much and you think that people aren't aware of our culture. And then when you get there, people, you know, they'll see you walking down the street and be like, Andy, what's up? You'll be like, damn. Like, I didn't even know I was known over here. Like, like right. they know you well. Like, they like, you like, so it's surprising. That was the part that I think, I was super nervous about, and then once I hit the stage, was quite surprised that it was so much love. And so that was that was the one that I can can remember where I was like really intimidated about like kind of outside the country. Did you? I, I'm looking at your IMTB, and you were on an episode of the Anna Nicole Smith show. What was that? You know, Anna Nicole. She came. <laughs> I used to have a show. Uh, uh, I did my show. Um, it was a Sid Entertainer Presents. It was like a sketch show, and she came on that. And I think out of love, I went on her show just to kind of like got it. Show, you know, it was like I miss her every day. She was <laughs> such a fun little quirky personality, you know. So, you know, it really was sweet at the time, you know. So it, it was like after it was after all the big fame she had the show, but it was after all that kind of like you know, crazy fame. She was yeah. just kind of having a good time living life. You know, um, after the big Will Smith slap, there was kind of a run of comedians getting, um, people kind of going after them on stage. Chappelle had a moment, uh, I think at the Hollywood bowl. Um, do you, did that, 
do, do you have a different mentality when you're up there performing? Are audiences getting too comfortable with with um, wanting to be a part of what you're doing? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, it was very much a moment of that, you know, where where people de- definitely felt like, you know, all things were open. And I think, you know, it's in this world of going viral, this idea that, you know, like that's going to make me famous or somebody. And so people would, you know, take a lot of chances to to yell things and, and try things, throw things. I mean, you know, this, I, you know, those kind of things maybe happened to me once before that incident. Like I do remember being in Memphis one time and a dude, we, we got into a whole argument you know, this guy in the audience, you know, just yelling at me and told me he was going to smack my glasses off my face and all kinds of nonsense, you know. And it, it was one of these things that ruined the night because, you know, right. you can do jokes back and forth. But then when someone kind of takes it to the other level, you know, like, you know, if you're heckling and I'm I'm got jokes and I'm firing back at you and everybody's enjoying it, that's one thing. But you can tell when someone's kind of like really intentionally threatening you, you're like, okay, so... Um, yeah, man, you know, I didn't even see that. I actually saw Chappelle the night before somebody ran on the stage. So that was one of those things where I couldn't believe, you know, that it happened, you know, and yeah. so, yeah. Uh, but people are, yeah, people are crazy, right? You know, with that, with that, that thing. When you were coming up, who were your hero, comedic heroes? Was it kind of Pryor and Cosby, basically? Well, prior for sure, uh, of course, Eddie Murphy was one that, yeah. you know, again, right a little, you know, right ahead of me. But my probably my greatest influence was the late Robin Harris, uh, Bebe's Kids. And, you know, he did a lot of like Spike Lee movies. Uh, but he was a guy that was like from the Midwest and he was, you know, a portly fellow that that performed like an uncle or a cousin. And he didn't, you know, he didn't have a superstar look. And so that was one of the things that I that made me identify with the the ability that I can go up and have this kind of like conversational delivery, this regular, regular person, you know, kind of swagger. And you but you have the ability to be the funniest person in the room. So he was probably my greatest influence. Wow. Um, well, you are a legend of comedy and uh, the hometown hero of St. Louis. What are we going to do about those Cardinals? I mean, they just suck. This year, man. And that's, not, that's usually not like us. I'm not, you know, because in L.A., you got to have strong bragging rights, man. As Cardinals usually get him a run yeah. to make money. Yes. I'm around here super humble right now. I yeah. think I've been been wearing my Dodger hat. You know, I just don't want no smoke with nobody. That's funny. Uh, Well, Cedric's debut novel is called Flipping Boxcars. It's available on Tuesday. You can also get uh, his whole line of barbecue stuff at um, Walmart stores nationwide and online. It's called AC Barbecue. He and Anthony Anderson. Cedric, always a pleasure hanging out with you, and I hope to see you real soon. All right, brother, same here, man. Be good, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. Well, that's all for this week's show. To hear more, you can listen to us weekdays on Radio Andy on Sirius XM. We'll see you back here next week, right, John? That's right. You know it. All right, girl. We'll see you later. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. 
It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know what's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more.